moving around, that he came down also to the saints, saints which dwelt at Lydia. Now, this is some maybe 25 miles from Jerusalem. Now we know from the text already that the apostles uh, had been staying in Jerusalem. We've seen some of the flock of the church of Jerusalem scattered, and if you look at the names, it looks like the Jews that were not from Jerusalem, that were from other parts of the empire that had moved there, that it seems like maybe when the persecution started, the, uh, the leadership was smart. It looks like maybe they went after those uh, who were from other places, and we just know that by some of the names given that they probably were not originally from uh, the area around Jerusalem. So the apostles have stayed there, the Bible tells us, that they, they've stayed there while others were scattered through the persecution. But now Peter leaves. Now Peter leaves Jerusalem, uh, just as we have seen uh, Philip all, already do. We've already seen Philip gone and some others. Now we see that, that Peter has left, and he's gone to Lydia. There he found a certain man named Aeneas. Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. He'd been bedfast for eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, apparently he's a believer, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydia and saw and saw him. And look what they did. They turned to the Lord. So this is the story of Aeneas. Second story. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. That's her Aramaic name. You need to remember that when you watch the news and you hear other things. Remember that our uh, Arabic brothers and sisters, uh, there is still Christian witness there. Often persecuted, but they are still there. This is where the gospel first spreads too. And so Tabitha is her Aramaic name. But Luke is going to also give us the Greek interpretation of that. All right, So Tabitha is her Aramaic name, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in these days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. She was a, a heroine of the church. Uh, she was very influential within this church because of the ministry that she had done. And for so much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, it's close to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and so they sent unto him two men, desiring to him that he would not delay to come to them. This automatically reminds you of Jesus, who a couple times has Folks that have died, and they come and say, please, Jesus, hurry, uh, come to where they are. And Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows, imagine this scene, uh, all the widows of the church stood by him weeping, and they showed the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So she had blessed the people of this church by making clothes for them. And now she is dead and now she is gone. And they're all showing Peter. They're like, look at what she did. She invested in our lives. She helped us when we were in need. Look at all the coats and garments that she has made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth. 
And he kneeled down and prayed. And turning the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And look at verse 42, like we saw, like we've already seen in the first story of the Neus. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa, third character, with one Simon the Tanner. From time to time, uh, I hear people, uh, not infrequently when you're a pastor, I hear people talk about the need for a spirit-empowered church, the need for the churches in this land to be spirit-empowered. And I agree with that. And I want the Lord to convict me and challenge me and convict you to do your part, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We need Holy Spirit-led fellowships. We need Holy Spirit-led individuals within our church. Now, there are all kinds of opinions. You can just do a quick search and you'll find all kinds of opinions from men and women about what it means to be a Spirit-led congregation, to be a Spirit-led Christian. Well, the wonderful thing is you don't have to just rely on the opinions of other people. We see here in the book of Acts what it means throughout this whole book. We're getting a glimpse of what it means for the Holy Spirit to lead his church. And today in these three stories, we get a kaleidoscope uh, vision from Scripture of the kind of church we need to be and the kind of individuals we need to be if we are led and sensitive to the Spirit of God. So I want to share with you very practically, very practical, three things that we learn from this text about being a spirit-led church. Number one, a spirit-led church cares for individuals. Cares for individuals. Would you just say that one word, cares? Say cares. A spirit-led church cares for individuals. Now we have seen in the book of Acts that thousands upon thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus these days after his resurrection. And we have seen so far some really big personalities. We've seen Stephen, we've seen Peter, we've seen Saul, we've seen Brother Barnabas. So many people, so many larger than life leaders in the midst of these thousands. And yet today we get a glimpse back to back to back of three People who best I know are mentioned here and never mentioned again. They're mentioned here and then they don't make a big splash in other pages of the New Testament. So in the midst of all the thousands, the midst of all the big personalities, we get the story of these three. Did you notice the names this morning? Aeneas, Tabitha, and Simon the Tanner. Real people with real battles people with shattered dreams and hopes that they have in their heart, all recognizing that at the end of the day, there is only one that they can look to and turn to in their life for what they need, and that one is Jesus. Three names of three people that are connected and looking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the kingdom that he is bringing. A spirit-led church, mark it down, a spirit-led church cares for individuals because God cares 
for people. You are not just a number to God. You are a beloved, created child of the King. If it's good to be a child of God today, say amen. Aeneas, crippled for eight years, paralyzed, the Bible says. There are thousands and thousands of sick and hurting, and yet we are given Aeneas's story. We are told his name. Why? Why are we given his name? Well, I think uh, clearly there's some things about the text today. This story is clearly about God's power. It's clearly about the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus. This story is about the authority that Jesus has over sickness and sin. We see here today that this story shows us that when the kingdom of God is heralded and preached, and we ultimately enter into that a kingdom, uh, when heaven comes, when, when the new Jerusalem uh, comes down, a new heaven, a new earth, we see from today's story, from this little outpost that's going on here, that when the new heaven, the new earth arrives, there will be no more sickness, there will only be health and wholeness. Now I know that's what the main point of this is about. But we also know something else from our text. We're given Aeneas's name. And I think at this point in the narrative of the book of Acts that the name of Aeneas is given there by Luke, the author of Acts, to remind you today that God knows your name. God knows your story. He knows your life. He knows your struggles. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams. God knows your name. Now to the IRS, you are a social security number, a potential payer of taxes. Students, to many of the heads of education in Washington, D.C., you are nothing more than a test score. To the capitalists, you are a consumer. To the communists, you are either reduced to a part of the proletariat or the bourgeoisie. To the mass media types, let's just face it, if you live in Putnam County, Tennessee, to the mass media, you are the unwashed and despised masses. To the politicians, and Lordy, hold on, because it's coming, you are just a vote. But to God, to Jesus, you are a name. You are a name. You are not just one of the mindless thousands, although you are one of the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions that have come to know Jesus You are more than that. You are an individual crafted and created by a God that loves you, that has come to save you from the mess that you have made of your life. You are the name of one for whom Jesus died upon the tree of woe, upon the cross of Calvary. You want a spirit-led church? You want a spirit-led church? Say amen. You want a spirit-led church? Then follow the leading of the spirit. A spirit-led church cares for individuals, the drug addict, the divorced, the lowly, the haughty, the proud, the child from the projects, or the kid from the countryside, men, women, uneducated or educated, black, white, or brown, or some kind of mixture in between. The Spirit-led church sees all that, but the Spirit-led church sees beyond that. The Spirit-led church hears the name of individuals Because our King Jesus knows the name of people and He sees them no matter what they are, no matter where they come from. He sees those who desperately need to be saved from sin. So a Spirit-led church cares for individuals. While Sister Lauren was singing, I sometimes check my phone uh, when that's going on to see if there's an illness or a sickness or some great need. 
And uh, if it's not that, I, I ask you, don't, please don't text me during service time, uh, before the service, unless it's really a great need. Uh, don't, don't text me to chat or talk or to tell me uh, what to preach or what to say. That actually happened one time. happened twice, actually. By They're no longer here. Had a person do that twice. Please do not do that. But I, wa- I want to tell you, because by the way, if I try to please everybody, I won't please anybody. Amen, church? But I got a text today. And I got some amens right there that said uh, a spirit-led church cares for individuals. I got this text right here. It says, hey, anyone at the church have a truck to pick up a water heater at Lowe's? Maria's stopped working today. It's leaking with a sad face. That's Brother Tucker and Sister Maria. Anybody go to Lowe's to help pick up a water heater? Now, I know a lot of our people are busy today, and you have a lot of things to do. But I really hope when this service is over that I'll have some men that will hang around and meet me. Because God help us if we just amened and said that we are a church, want to be a spirit-led church, we want to care for individuals, but we're too busy to help somebody today that's going to need some help. Boy, if we can step up to this challenge, say amen. Spirit-led church cares for individuals. I think God just allowed that to happen to see whether our church just has a big mouth or whether we actually are going to be a spirit-led church. God, thank you for doing that today. Thank you for doing what you did to Israel to see what kind of church this is. Spirit-led church cares for individuals. Number two, spirit-led church cares for individuals. Can I share a second thing with you? Spirit-led church cares for individuals, but a spirit-led church, and I've already been hitting on this, meets people's needs. Spirit-led church cares for individuals, and a spirit-led church meets the needs of people. Go back and look at verse 36. Look at what the Word of God says, verse 36. There was at Jaffa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Full of them. I mean, she just was doing good works and good deeds all the time. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and she died. And when they had washed her and laid her in the upper chamber, and because Lydia was close to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. And so the disciples there, they, they sinned. They, the disciples, the Christians there say, hey, go get Peter. He's close by, and they sent unto him, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Tabitha, in Aramaic, or in Greek, Dorcas, was a seamstress. And again, apparently she used her money and her talent to bless others in the church. Now, the important thing is not necessarily what your gift is. The important thing is, are you using your gift to be a blessing to others? Some have property where we can have events like the Easter egg hunt that we'll be having soon. Some have musical talent. Some are apt to teach. Uh, Some can be greeters to welcome others and to let them know when they walk in that we are glad that they are here. Some have patience and wisdom in helping us discern uh, how to help those that come uh, looking for financial assistance. Some can stop by and make sure that rooms are clean throughout 
uh, the week beyond what the cleaning uh, people do. Or they can help spruce things up. Some can visit hospitals. Some can write cards. Tabitha met the needs of others. And when she died, they cried. They cried when this woman died because of the blessing that she had been to the church there in Joppa. They cried. You see, the Spirit-led church cares for individuals. And the Spirit-led church shows that it cares for individuals by meeting the needs of people. You know, when our prayers for healing align with God's will, that's awesome. It is awesome when healing occurs and a, and a miraculous uh, healing takes place here. That is awesome. Did you know that Jesus healed lots of people? Did you know that Jesus himself uh, raised a few people from the dead? But you want to know something else today? Jesus raised some folks from the dead, but they went on and died later. Did you know that? Now, if it's amazing that Jesus could raise people from the dead, say amen. But later on, they went on and died. So where are they now? And where will you be when you die? Now, this is just my opinion. I think the disciples who are with Jesus and around Jesus that got to be a part of some of the resurrection, if you want to call them that, uh, that, that took place when Jesus took some people that were dead and brought them to life again. When he did that, uh, I believe the disciples saw that, and I believe that in the New Testament, part of what's happening is they have seen that, and they have a level of expectation and a level of belief in what God can do, and they have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I think uh, they just had a, a unique connection to Jesus that is unique, and we see some of this right, right here. But I want to tell you, even those that Jesus brought back, even they later died. And so I want to tell you today that it would be a real shame for you to just, and, and we should celebrate that Jesus brought folks back. We should celebrate because Jesus has the power over death. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? And we should celebrate that. But you know, it would be a real shame if we're like the crowds who celebrate and get amazed and caught up that a dead person's come back and we forget that one day they died too. And we forget that one day we will face death and even this one that was raised Tabitha she too would later walk through death and not be brought back you see without Jesus without salvation even if you were to be brought back as amazing that is if you were to die in your sin and die separated from him you would be in a worse condition than the temporary pain of this life, you will be suffering eternal pain and suffering, eternal darkness, eternal separation from God the Father. So you see today, church, they meet the needs. And that's a big part of what a church does. It is spirit-led. They care for individuals. They meet people's needs. But thirdly, we see from this text that a spirit-led church focuses on eternity. Say eternity after me. Say eternity. Eternity. Listen, eternity. A spirit-led church is focused on Jesus, which means it is also focused on His eternal kingdom. And who can be a part of that eternal kingdom? Well, that brings us to the third story today. Now you say, well, he tells us a little bit about Aeneas. 
and he tells us a little bit about Tabitha who was raised from the dead. Can you imagine being there with the weeping and the crying? And there they were, uh, wishing and desiring and wanting that she could be with, there with them. And they get a little foretaste of heaven because Peter just brings her on back. And when he brings her back, it's a sign that, listen, in God's kingdom, we will all rise again. And not just for a moment, we will rise. And when we rise, it won't be with this old flesh anymore. We won't die again because when we rise with Jesus, arise with him under his power, under his saving grace, through the blood that he shed, the life that was given on the cross. When we rise in Jesus, oh, there'll be a new body. And it'll be a body that will never know the corruption of sin and will never know the corruption of death. And so, yes, we meet the needs of people and we care for people, but as we do it, we must do it with a focus on eternity. So you say, what's that got to do with Simon the Tanner? You see, we're just told a name there. We're not told a story. But that's where you need to know your Bible. This is why you don't need to just skim through the Old Testament and skip from reading it. Because if you read through the Old Testament, if you had just read through the book of Numbers this year, you would already know why it's a big deal that Simon is a tanner. You see, that little designation, tanner, lets us know that God is about to do and is already doing a big, big work in Peter's heart. Again, up till now, the apostles have primarily been in Jerusalem with the Jews of Jerusalem. And so we see that God takes Peter 25 miles away to the city of Lydia, which, by the way, scholars tell us that Lydia at that time was primarily a city of Gentiles within the Jewish nation. 25 miles from Jerusalem to a mostly Gentile city, God starts chipping away at Peter's heart to prepare him for something really, really big. Then the Bible tells us that he goes to Simon the Tanner's house. Why should you not skim through the Old Testament? Because when Peter goes to Joppa, he is invited to stay with this Tanner of Hides. Why include that? Why is that a big deal? Because according to the Jewish law, a Tanner would have been ceremonially unclean, and that would have been a position that mostly Jews would have looked at and there would have been some despising there because he would not have been in a kosher state. Now, it doesn't mean they couldn't do those things, but it just means that to be around dead animals and carcasses like that means that your occupation required him to be in an unclean state working with dead animals. God is moving. He is moving Peter away from the safety and security now, again, there's persecution, but in one sense, he's safe and secure because he's around the Jews of Jerusalem. God is moving Peter away, and he is showing them that there will be freedom, and there will be grace, and there will be forgiveness, forgiveness for all, not just those that the Jews would say were clean because of the law. God is about to show Peter, he's about to show Peter whether you had the law or whether you don't have the law. The ground is level at the cross, and salvation is for all. So we see Peter goes to this one Simon who works in a profession that would make him uh, unclean on his day-to-day -day work because he had to work with these dead animals. God is moving Peter, and he's moving the Spirit-led church to see that there are real people with real needs who need real forgiveness and who need 
salvation. You see, Simon the Tanner, that one little designation is going to help us see that God's plan and God's purposes are eternal in perspective and they're not just for the perfect person and they're not just for the one that knows the law and has the law and understands the law. No, Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost and praise the Lord. He has come to save those even outside the house of Israel. If you are glad that God knows the names of the Gentiles, say amen. Simon the Tanner is one little step that's going to get Peter ready for a movement of God, a revelation of the Spirit, a vision, a dream that he's going to have that comes directly from God. It's going to show him the good news of the gospel for all people. We see three names today and three stories. I would ask you today, are you trusting Jesus with your gifts? If you have hurt today, then take hope. Jesus knows your name. You are not alone. Hopefully the Spirit-led church knows your name. But more important than that today is, does Jesus know your name? And the answer is yes. And so I'd ask you, do you know the name of Jesus? And have you responded in faith to it? Are you focused on eternity today? Or do you have tunnel vision? Are you stuck in the tunnel vision that the enemy wants you stuck in, stuck in your pride, stuck in your good works, stuck in your sinful attitude. Are you stuck there today? Have your eyes been opened by Jesus to see the work of salvation and the good news? Many, many people have opinions about what makes a spirit-led church. And I think the answer is a lot simpler than we sometimes make it a spirit-led church is a church that has their eyes on jesus that listen to his voice and loves the people that he came to save my son woke up two o'clock three o'clock daddy i've got a headache and he really was he had a bad headache and he was hurting and he was in pain Maybe today you have physical pain. Maybe today beyond physical pain, maybe you have mental and emotional pain. You know, Jesus does it in his own way. I don't, I don't claim to have the gift of healing. It's not a, a gift that I have. But I know this, when Jesus wants to heal people, when he decides he wants to, Jesus will heal. If you believe that today, say amen. I wish some of our younger people could have known Miss Mosley. Miss Mosley was a lady of the church when I got here. She had a wonderful wit. She was very quiet, but when you got around her, boy, she could really, boy, she had a mouth on her. I'm telling you, she was, she had a wit. She had polio when she was a young girl. Never supposed to walk. Polio in those days was just, I mean, one of the most horrible things that could happen to you. But she had some family members that prayed. She had some family members that believed that God could heal her. And oh, she always walked uh, with a little limp, you know, a little thing that reminded that the polio was there, a little reminder. But I always like to think it was also a reminder of what God did because they said she would never walk. And I'm telling you, she had the most beautiful limp you'd ever see. Amen, church. Those of you remember? 
You see, I still believe that God heals. If that's his will, that's what he wants for you. He'll he'll heal you. Maybe today you need healing. And I want to tell you today that the word of God says the church can anoint you with oil and we can pray with you. And if God desires to heal you, he will. We sang, come to the altar. Maybe today you need healing and you need to look to Jesus and you want to pray in faith to ask God to heal you from some sickness that you have. Listen, if that's you today, I want you to come while we sing. You know, maybe today for you, and I know there's some people in this room because you've told me, maybe today for you, you don't really want physical healing. Maybe what you want is to go and to be with Jesus. And you have prayed and you have asked him to just help you finish the race. And you just need a little strength today because the burden is hard. And the walk is hard and you just need a prayer. The believers around you, just help me, Lord. Help me to keep focused on eternity as I finish this race. Listen, if you want the church to pray with you, we will will pray with you today. Maybe you are a sinner that has no vision of eternity. Oh, you've heard of Jesus and you've seen believers and you have some Miss Mosleys in your life who you've seen what God did for them, but you have yet to call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. I gave my son some headache medicine. And in a few hours, the pain for the most part was gone. In the Old Testament, Moses, take the serpent, have them look at the serpent so that they can have healing, both physical and healing for the sin that they had committed, their rebellion. Today, my friends, I don't ask you to look to a serpent. I ask you to look to Jesus, to come to the altar and to call upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords to save your soul from hell itself. If you need prayer today, whatever it is, You come to the altar. Let's stand together as they come. We're going to sing that song again. If you need to come to the altar, listen, this is your time. You come today. Would you bow your heads right there? Let's pray together as they get ready. And we will sing. And I'll be right here to meet you. We'll have people to pray with you. We'll do whatever it is that you feel led of the Holy Spirit needs done today. Father God, you use this message. You use this passage. Father God, use this story of Aeneas, of Tabitha, and of Simon the Tanner. Father God, I ask today that you would use their stories to point us to Jesus. We saw that people were saved and people believed because of what you did in those stories. Father God, I believe today that the Word of God still has the power to save sinners, to encourage saints. So Lord, I just ask that we would be sensitive to your Spirit. Make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we worship you with reverent, holy worship right now. Lord, if there are those who need prayer, would they come to the altar here, Lord? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, you can look and sing. You can pray at your pew. But if you need to come today, you come to the altar this morning.